sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. We've got afternoon basketball, afternoon baseball on deck. we got plenty to preview here on the show. This is Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. I am Craig Mish, and along with Joe Pizzapia for the next hour, we'll look ahead to some of today's matchups, give you a little bit of a look back as to what's happened thus far, and see if we can identify potentially any players that could help us in fantasy for the rest of the season. Of course, with NBA games coming up a little bit later, Michael Carter-Williams looks like he won't play for the Orlando Magic, and as if the the uh, Brooklyn Nets didn't get any worse, it looks like Jamal Crawford is not going to play for them today as well. Does it matter? I mean, they're 20-point underdogs and beat Milwaukee outright. So who knows? We'll see with the NBA set to tip off here in about 30 minutes. But, Joe, uh, baseball continues to be our focus here on the show. We're getting closer Believe it or not, to having 30 Major League Baseball teams play in one day. I know it seems like a stretch at this point, but the good news is is that the Cardinals have left their hotel. They're headed back to St. Louis, and they're ready to go again on Friday. We know Miami is back, so for people who play DFS and even season-long fantasy, good news is ahead. You may have your whole team this weekend. (laughs) <laughs> crazy talk. That's just crazy. I mean, first you're trying to give me hope about the Mets beating Scherzer. And now you're trying to give me hope about a full major league slate of games. Just stop it. Why, why are you teasing me? Why are you doing this to me? But yes, yeah, so let's hope that this is the case. And uh, once again, I think the NFL is standing by and watching all of this, watching these recovery times, watching what's going on here, watching the failures and successes of other sports leagues and trying to gauge how they're going to do things going forward. And uh, hopefully they will do a good job because uh, if there's one thing that makes this country work, it's football. I mean, geez, I mean, from every standpoint, football is king here in this country in terms of the piece of the pie, especially in sports and hey, even in media for that matter. Uh, so we'll see. And NFL is watching for sure. But hey, it's it'll be a good day in Major League Baseball when every team is playing in the same night. That will be a special night for sure. Could be Friday night. And we'll be back here, of course, on Friday to preview those games as well. Here are the top stories that we're following on Fantasy Sports Today. We'll actually start from the bottom and work to the top because college football is really right around the corner now, although they've delayed their season. Most conferences have delayed it a week or two. And normally Labor Day is the start. This year it's going to be in September. But UConn has decided they are not going to play college football in 2020. So although UConn clearly not the cream of the crop, not in the SEC or or one of those conferences where you would think that they're going to compete for a championship is still a major college that's not going to play. So uh, important to note there, and some really good players have come out of UConn and played in the NFL as well. Uh, Melanie Newman last night became the first female play-by-play broadcaster for the Baltimore Orioles, so congratulations to her. We're going to hit on the Angels' closing situation. Uh, Last week on the show, you can go back and watch On Demand. We touched on the Cubs a little bit. It looks like Craig Kimbrell is going to need a little bit of a break before he gets back to closing again for the Cubs. Trout homer, Pujols homer, Joe Adele made his debut. Angels are looking good offensively for sure. As we mentioned, St. Louis will play on Friday and uh, a ton of injuries and issues in the NBA. It looks like teams are starting to just sit some guys now. They've gotten back. They're getting back into shape. Uh, This is not one player that would sit, but Jaron Jackson's going to be out for the rest of the season for the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Also, Dwight Howard, by the way, of the Los Angeles Lakers. They play in a very big game tonight 
Doesn't look like he's going to be part of that one as well. He's questionable for that game. And the Nets were uh, 35 to one underdogs essentially on the money line. And ended up beating the Milwaukee Bucks outright. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised in the wackiest world we've ever seen of sports, Joe. Anything can happen and anything will happen, as we saw yesterday in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the case. There's drones flying. There's major upsets, 35 to 1. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. It's all happening, that's for sure. Uh, but that's definitely, I think, the story of the day in the wagering world. There's no way that might be the story of the month <laughs> in the wagering world. That might stick for quite some time. Uh, the Craig Kimbrell thing, though, I think is very important for the Cubs here. The Cubs are a pretty good baseball team right now. They're getting some really good pitching from guys like Alec Mills. They're getting some really good pitching from you, Darvish. Lester still velocity's down, but he's been okay. Tyler Chatwood was excellent. Problem is, you can't surrender leads. You can't go into these games late and give up leads. And now, all of a sudden, Kimbrell is a huge question mark, Craig, for the rest of the year. And uh, I got to tell you, I mean, to me, you can't keep rolling him out there no matter what you do because your starting pitchers are getting it done. The offense is pretty good. You can't blow these games in the ninth inning. It's just not acceptable. Yeah, and they'll have to figure it out or they'll have to make a trade. But the Cubs have no shortage of money to be able to do it if they choose. We'll have to see if they're there. Um, let's uh, real quick um, want to take a look here at the Angels closing situation because it was announced after the game yesterday, uh, Joe Madden, that uh, Hansel Robles is going to need a break. And so Robles, who didn't really have a strong pedigree as closer, as we welcome in our uh, listeners here on Sports Grid Radio, is at least for the time being no longer the closer there. But this is one situation that I think is worth watching, Joe, because the Angels really don't have great options. Cam Bedrosian, who we've been waiting to become the closer for five years, <laughs> is on the injured list. And the two other options, essentially, that they have, they really have three, if you, if you consider Felix Pena. But, I mean, these numbers that we're looking at here don't lie. Ty Buttry, Keenan Middleton, and I like Keenan Middleton. And, I, and Buttry pitched very well yesterday in ending a third shutout. But, I mean, neither of these guys really moved the needle four closers and they've struggled at the start of the season. So someone has got to be picked up on Sunday or today. If, if you can make the, if you can make the move, Buttry, Middleton, Pena, or maybe it's just a matter of Madden will give Robles a break and he'll get another shot. I'm not sure which way this will want to go. Yeah. Going into this year. I mean, not that the closer situations everywhere aren't terrible, but Robles was the number one guy in the fantasy black book. I was concerned with giving this job up because he didn't have the pedigree of a closer. He didn't have a good track record and the deep stats were not good. Plus there were guys in this bullpen with some live arms like Kenny Middleton, like Ty Buttry. And I think it's going to be one of those two guys. We've seen Cambridge before. I don't think that's worked out, but at this point, I think it's whoever gets that shot out of the gate. Whoever's good first is going to get a look and probably a long look at that. I don't see Robles coming back into this role. All right, so we'll see what happens with the Angels. For us, it's time to take a quick break on FST, but we're off and running for the second hour of the show. Are you staying on the grid? You better, because Scott Farrell, back in the house tonight, going coast to coast, and we'll be back with Fantasy Sports today and our Fantasy Sports birthdays right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
And welcome back. It's Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia. Make sure you head on over to our website. You know what it is by now, sportsgrid.com. That's where you can catch us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, giving you gambling advice, fantasy advice, life advice, sports advice, movies, everything else. If you want to head on over there, you can. Also, we have our own YouTube channel, and you can like and subscribe to our shows. Set your notifications to on. You can watch us on demand all the time. And, Joe, you've been uh, on this morning, I know, uh, filling in on bagels and bad beats. Has that run come to an end? Was this the last day of, uh, of that extravaganza, or you have the rest of the week to go? <laughs> no, today was the last day, but I want to give a shout-out to our producer here at the network, Chris Pavona, for helping me out so much uh, for those three days. It was great fun. We had some guests. We did some uh, some look ahead, some fantasy football stuff, did a lot of MLB stuff. So it was a fun few days. But uh, yeah, I'm going to sleep in just a little bit tomorrow. That'd be nice. It'll catch up for me. What time were you waking up for that show? 3 4.30? 4.30. 4.30. Just 30 minutes in advance. It's not bad. Well, yeah, like I, yeah. I, I, when I know that I have shows, like it's like going through my mind sometimes the night before. Oh, like I'll yeah. wake up no, at two in the morning. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. It was going through my mind yeah. the first night, especially, and I didn't get to bed until about 12. And basically, I was trying to plan out the show before that. And then I was like, hey, I'll sleep for four hours. I'll get up, do the show. It'll be fine. It was. It was good. It was perfectly fine. Sometimes running on empty is, uh, it gives you a laser focus. That's what you get. You get that hyper laser focus going on there. But no, it was, it was a great time. I uh, enjoyed it. Scott Wetzel will be back in his regular chair, and he's welcome to have it back. That is very early in the morning, but it was great fun. We had a blast on the show, and uh, I was uh, happy to, uh, you know, kind of help out the team here over at Sports Grid for a few days doing that. But uh, uh, just curious, what's your favorite bagel, Craig? Do you have a bagel of choice? I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of bagels in the Mish household lately. It's true because I feel like I always I want a fresh bagel. Like that's I'm very big into that. And and I will say, South Florida does. It's not going to compare to New York, of course, but South Florida does have some New York style delicatessens. But given the fact that I haven't been to one in almost five months, tells mm. you that there hasn't been. But it's just honestly a plain bagel for me. That's it. It's, oh, I, I don't I'm need an anything else. That I don't like it too complicated either. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I and I could use a good bagel. It's been a while, but. You got to take what you can get at this point. And what we can get today is this day in fantasy sports history for August the 5th, 2020. So without further ado, let's get right to it. 1921, the first Major League Baseball game is broadcast over radio. Our very own Joe Ranieri was actually producing that (laughs) broadcast as well. Back in 1921, Joe is all over the place. 2007, Tom Glavin gets his 300th win with the New York Mets. Joe hates Tom Glavin. I don't know why. This guy was such a good pitcher for a long time, and I know he had one really bad game, and Brett was there, and we've heard the story before, but this guy was he's a really nice guy and a good pitcher. I got to root for Tom Glavin. 2012, Great Britain's Andy Murray wins Wimbledon, and this was a really big moment for him there because, of course, he is from there. He's had really good success at Wimbledon as well. 2013, somehow Alex Rodriguez shows up on this every day. I don't know why. I'm going to make sure that does not happen tomorrow. 13 other players suspended by Major League Baseball and A-Rod, of course, in denial for about two months and then came to spring training and said he's going to take it like a man after they ended up catching him. And we saw a movie about it. It's screwball as well. 2014 San Antonio Spurs landmark moment hire Becky Hammond as the league's first full-time female assistant coach. Congratulations to Becky Hammond, who, uh, who really transcended sports. And this is why people like Greg Popovich are headed straight to the basketball hall of fame as soon as they retire and that's what we got for this day in fantasy sports joe 
I will be more specific for those of you out there with the Tom Glavin thing. It's not because he was a brave because I love Greg Maddox and I love John Smoltz. Everybody knows that. I have great respect for Chipper Jones, too. It's not that, it, you know, he came over and pitched for the Mets. And it's not just the one game that was a, a very, very, very disappointing day for us Mets fans. It was the post-game press conference afterwards where his laissez-faire attitude about the stunning loss where, eh, you know, these things happen sometimes. It's baseball, blah, blah, blah. Ooh, maybe those things happen and it's just baseball and it's okay to have that happen in Atlanta where you're relevant every year. But for us, it hurt a lot more. And not knowing the tone of that room, that's where it all comes from. That's the moment for me. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for Brett or Chris on this one. I'll just speak for myself. That's what bothered me. That's what always sticks with me is, yeah, you know, sometimes you don't go out there and have your best stuff and all these things. But basically, his attitude was pretty much like a spring training game. And uh, it was anything but a spring training game last day of the season that year. So that was uh, that was very crushing, only to be followed by another crushing loss the next year by the same Marlins and closing Shea Stadium uh, with a nice basic parade of, uh, you know, every great Met that ever lived after a crushing loss and not getting into the playoffs. So, yeah, so celebration. Good times. Come on. Let's celebrate. I'm still a I'm still a Glavin fan. I, I, <laughs> I and I didn't endure that as a as a Met fan because I'm not. But I understand you know where where you're coming from that. But uh, I mean, look, he 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 made his choice. He took the money with the Mets. Could have stayed with Atlanta. Ended up going back to Atlanta, by the way, at the end. Mm-hmm. But uh, I get it. Hard times. Hard to, hard to forget those hard times as well. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. And and listen, this wasn't my choice to have this in the show today. That's why the show was very well produced. Somebody else put it in there, and that's where it is. Okay. This day in fantasy sports birthdays for the 5th of August, we've got, let's see here, one uh, Hall of Famer. We've got Patrick Ewing, head coach of Georgetown, born in 1962, 1968, a very underrated player, I think, in Major League Baseball. Uh, not a Hall of Famer, but someone that certainly uh, you know, put up some really good numbers over the course of his career when hits really meant something. They don't anymore, but when hits meant something, uh, John Olrood was there uh, for uh, the Toronto Blue Jays and the New York Mets, born in 1968. 1977, Mark Mulder, one of the great trio of Oakland A's pitchers with Mulder, Zito, and Hudson. Pitched at a very high level for a long time with Oakland, and they had some really good seasons. 1981, Carl Crawford. Wow, Carl Crawford was a first-round pick in all of our fantasy baseball drafts for about five years straight. And uh, then went for the money and, and took the money as as he should have in Boston and his career. Uh, was it with Boston or L.A.? I forget. I think it was with Boston. And his uh, career was never the same. It just it was over from that point. And then he was involved in that mega deal, I believe, that sent him to L.A. with Adrian Gonzalez, if memory serves me correctly. But uh, he, he was on our fantasy radar for a long period of time. And speaking of which... Great running back at Clemson, and also a, I would say, uh, you know, a good running back for the Buffalo Bills for a few years. C.J. Spiller, who had really one great year for Buffalo, but the rest of it was, I think, expectations that were not met. But uh, Spiller was fantastic college player at uh, at Clemson, so want to make sure we get that in. So we got Ewing, Olrud, Mulder, Carl Crawford, and C.J. Spiller, Joe, for you to take out of the uh, of the of the uh, bowl here. You can pick one and and <laughs> chew on it. Take one. Uh, I'd love to write a poem of the greatness of John Olerud. I love John Olerud. The guy was a rock, great defensive player, 
uh, a player that you could set your watch to, a guy who was always going to hit 300, a very good uh, first base glove, too. I had a very good arm, too. It makes some great throws at some moments as well. Uh, John Olerud was just this guy that you could always count on. And as a Mets fan, that's not something we have a lot of. So to look at players like him and Agardo and Afonso during that era, it was very special. It was a special time, part of one of the best defensive infields ever, too, with Ventura, uh, Alfonso, Olerud, and Ray Ordonez. Let's not forget about how good that infield was defensively. But Olerud, a great career, a great job there with him, uh, obviously, in those days with the Blue Jays as well, uh, was productive with Seattle, probably in the Hall of Very Good, not Hall of Fame. But my goodness, I think one of the more underrated players of his generation. And Carl Crawford, you want to talk about a fantasy star. And when we're looking for players to steal 30 or 40 bases in baseball, Crawford, from 2003 all the way through (laughs) 2010, listen to these steals numbers. Yeah. 55, 59, 46, 58, 50, 25 in a season that he was hurt, 60, and 47. And in the season of 47, he hit 19 home runs, drove in 90 runs, hit 307 with a 356 on base, got traded or signed with the Red Sox. And it's amazing that his career was, Joe, was never the same. Like, I don't know what happened to Carl Crawford, but his trajectory was to 3,000 hits and 500 singles. I mean, it was right there. Still ended up with 480. But Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's. Look, that's there's no question that that got to him. It is not easy to play in Boston if you do not succeed, and I get that. Uh, he had you know, he missed 130 games in two years with injuries. There were people who thought that he could play, but he didn't want to play. I mean, you talk about a fall off, and we mentioned names like Carlos Gonzalez. I would say in the last 15 years, Crawford may have been the number one fall off. I mean, he and Ellsbury, I think, are the two. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on Fantasy Sports Today. Joe and I back with you here on the show until 2 o'clock Eastern. It's it's really going to be interesting, I think, to see some of the young players uh, come up, Joe, in baseball and in fantasy. And we've already seen a ton of it. We saw the debut of Joe Adele last night. Uh, mm-hmm. Patino is back for San Diego. The Marlins called up Monte Harrison. And I think that we're going to start seeing the debut of some other players in baseball and in fantasy as well. And I think the question is, Is it too late to jump in and grab some of these guys? And also, is it a little bit risky as it pertains to pitching? And so a pretty good exercise would be to go through some of the possibilities. Yeah, and I think this is the whole thing. We're always trying to be proactive and not reactive because that'll save your fab budget. And God knows you're going to need as much as you possibly can this year in 2020. Uh, But yeah, some of these guys are probably owned in your league, but some might not be. And the whole point is some of these certain teams that we're going to target here are also in certain circumstances that, you know, maybe they've stopped playing and people forget, or maybe they were going to add this player and then they did not. So I think part of this is understanding, uh, trying to understand the situation, not just the talent and also where those teams are at and the needs of these teams, teams like the Braves, teams like the Phillies right now. There are certain teams that are going to have needs to start to dig deeper into their pockets. And even if these guys are on rosters and not being used right now, once again, there's opportunity to go pluck these guys off rosters because many, many fantasy owners right now are basically between a rock and a hard place. They're missing players. They have players on the IL. Look, Ozzy Albies went on the IL today. Uh, Robinson Cano, right? All these guys are getting hurt. 
Some teams are not playing at all, right? We just got the Marlins back. So people just need some warm bodies. So you might be even able to pluck off one of these guys from a roster in a redraft league, not in a keeper league, but in a redraft league. Yeah, if these guys are owned, they might be available. And if they are available on the waiver wire, now's the time to go get them this weekend before we start getting some major announcements, because I think Joe Adele is the beginning of the potential floodgates for this uh, as we go forward in terms of young prospects coming up and starting to make an impact here and what's left of the 2020 season. Sure. All right. Let's let's start off here with a couple of pitchers. We'll start off in Philadelphia. It looks like Spencer Howard is going to make his major league debut. And there's no question that he has everything going for him in terms of talent. But I, I have some real big concerns, Joe, with their bullpen. And if Spencer Howard doesn't go out there and have a Nate Pearson start, I don't think he's going to win. I think Philadelphia's bullpen is among the worst in the National League. They have guys that people have never heard of before. They're not throwing strikes. They're getting bombed. And I'm already hesitant in terms of pitching, and I'm not saying that Howard doesn't have the stuff to get it done, but this guy's literally going to have to go seven innings into games to get wins. So um, hopefully the ratios will be good for someone like this. I'm, I'm a little hesitant on him only because of that fact. If he starts off only going 80 pitches or 90 pitches with four innings, five innings, I'm just not sure how much he's going to be able to help people. I think for the future, he's a really good selection. But I have no confidence whatsoever that the Phillies could close out a game. So that's my that's my nervousness with this. If he doesn't have a great start, five innings, two earned runs, I don't think he's going to win. And that's a fair concern. And the Phillies bullpen is why when we were talking about team totals a few weeks ago as the season was starting, I was so negative about the Phillies. And I thought the under was a really intriguing wager because if you have leads, it's great. Are you going to be able to keep a lead? And I think the best way to help this bullpen right now is to get more starting pitching in it. And maybe you try to save the innings a little bit, and maybe you could find some other guys via trade or whatnot or get somebody right. But it's definitely a concern. And no, wins are probably not going to be in a surplus for Spencer Howard. But I think what will be available for him are those ratios. The strikeout to walk rates, very good there for him. Uh, you also saw him just dazzle. These are the AFL starts uh, that he made. He made six of them last year. And he was basically just lights out. And the biggest concern for Howard was how many games could he pitch? How many innings were left in his tank this year? Because he didn't have a whole lot to pile up last year. However, that's not a problem this year. Uh, and I do think that if he gets a few turns in the rotation, he will eventually get up to a six inning pitcher and thereabouts. And in terms of whip, ERA, strikeouts, I think he can help you in all those. Can he help you in wins? Maybe a few one-offs. But I think really what you're looking for in points leagues too is a guy who can contribute with the strikeouts. And I think Spencer Howard can be that guy. Yeah, I, I, I'll be interested to see him pitch. It's a wait-and-see approach for, for me with him, unfortunately, and really not uh, all his fault. Uh, okay, now the Braves really are down to the point where all this nice young starting pitching that they had is going to have to be tested. I, don't, I just don't think that they have much of another choice. Ian Anderson mm -hmm. is basically the last of those starting pitchers that they ha that we have yet to see. Kyle Wright you know, was, was one before. There's been some mixed results with him. Max Fried initially was the first one. Wentz is another. And, and and this is the one I think that everybody has sort of been waiting on because people feel like he could be maybe a number two starter in the major leagues. Uh, he's he's going to be up against it. Not having the defense of Albies is one of the elite defenders at second base for sure. Maybe the help of Marcakis, who's one of the elite defenders in the outfield, will be somewhat of a help for him as well. But my confidence level is clearly a lot higher in the Braves' bullpen than it is in the Phillies' bullpen. And so I think that Anderson, when he comes up, and he will, may potentially have more success than Howard. That's my opinion. And like Howard, he will have a good strikeout rate as well. The problem with Anderson sometimes is 
a little bit more on the wild side. You see the ERA a little up there too. Sometimes he has trouble in certain innings, but look overall, the stuff is filthy. We all know that. And overall, this is a kid who really can help. And I think in head to head points leagues, this is a guy you definitely want to own because of that strikeout upside, especially leagues where strikeouts are worth two points per that's something that's very exciting about Ian Anderson. And I do believe this guy is going to get a look sooner than later, just out of necessity. And this is why I'm saying let's be proactive. Even if you don't believe in Spencer Howard, let's be proactive. Add him to your roster. If he's out there. If you're not excited about Ian Anderson, or you're kind of, you know, on the fence about him, at him now. What's the worst that could happen? He's not good. Okay. Doesn't mean he's not going to get a second or third turn in the rotation out of necessity. And I think that's where we have to understand which teams are at necessity point right now. And I think the Phillies and the Braves right now probably are both at that stage. There's different stages of, uh, of grief. I think we're past denial and whatever stage we're in right now for these rotations has got to be acceptance. And I think you have to accept that Ian Anderson, Spencer Howard are probably the best guys talent wise you can throw out there. Are they going to go 70 innings? No, but can they ramp up in a few starts and get to there? I think, yes, the problem is in two weeks from now, if they do get off to good starts, it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, or you might've missed the wagon. Dylan Carlson on the St. Louis Cardinals is their, is their number one hitting prospect. I, th- I think Nolan Gorman may end up being better than Carlson, but Carlson is right now the next one in line to come up. It looks like the Cardinals have survived uh, COVID in terms of losing 20 guys. They have lost several. They've lost their shortstop, and Carlson does not play short, so that's for sure. And they do have a guy in Tommy Edmond who can just slide in there and play every single day. And uh, they lost Edmundo Sosa, who was an extra outfielder, and, and they didn't really lose that depth at this point. So the Cardinals have a choice to make here, Joe, and the choice is do they bring Carlson up to potentially aid with the, lo- with the loss of DeYoung and Yachty? Or do they you know, play the service time game a little bit longer and wait another few days, which they certainly could do? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. And uh, the general manager and president of, of baseball operations, John Mozalak, said yesterday that he still feels very car- confident on the current roster that they have and has already talked about two pitchers replacing players that have been out. So I can't sit here and say right now that it's 100% when the Cardinals suit up on Friday that Dylan Carlson will be part of this. I think he's going to join the team, but I think it told you something from the very beginning, Joe. He did not make the team out of spring training. He did not make the team again out of Camp 2.0, so whatever they're doing with him, I can't say that the arrow has to be pointing up at this point. I just don't know. And that's exactly why I want to add him now. The arrow is not pointing up. Uh, but I think there will be a need sooner than later here and whether it's service time or whether whatever the reason might be. And I think we all kind of think it's just service time here. He was one of the most dropped players, him, Gavin Lux. A lot of people were reactionary to this and they were looking once again, rosters right now are difficult. They're depleted. You're looking for live bodies. And Carlson was one of the most dropped guys on Yahoo and CBS when that news came that he was not making the team. So a lot of people soured right away and they were looking for people that they could put into their actual uh, lineups. So he might be floating around the waiver wire. You can add him now very quietly for nothing. And then what you end up doing is in two weeks from now, if he does get some everyday at-bats or starts to play a little bit, or if you're in a daily transaction league, he can be helpful. And I think that's exactly the reason why I want to be proactive on him now is because the arrow is pointing down, but the talent is clear and the upside is there. So why not take advantage of both of those things while the getting's good? Yeah, it's interesting to see. And, and I wonder... Um... You know, I wonder what Carlson would be. It just kind of 
you know, it, it kind of bothers me a little bit that they didn't have him here at the start. And so I'm not uh, nearly uh, as confident. All right, uh, Joe, let's move over and, uh, and, and talk about Brendan Rogers of the Rockies. They're off to a good start. So they're in no rush to call Rogers up, but we know he got a, a late start to spring. He didn't play at all. He got a late start to camp and, and we really don't get a lot of reports from the alternate campsite. I think Rogers will make his debut, but I got to say at this stage looks like more of a 2021 keeper league guy. And, and that's it. I don't know. I, I, I can't sit here and say he's getting everyday playing time with this team. No, but it would just take one injury to make that happen because the shuffle you could see already with the DH now, potentially that's opened up another spot to move somebody else into that DH role. And right now the Rockies are playing good baseball right now. They have a winning record. If this continues, I would be very surprised if somebody started to struggle in the lineup or there was an injury. He's not the first guy to get a call. And you might get an opportunity to get him sooner than later, potentially. And I think that's something to keep in mind. You're probably right. Maybe I'm looking a little bit too, uh, too quickly here at this guy. But again, I'm trying to be proactive, say, okay, what do I have here? How many guys can I add on the waiver wire that are useful? You know what? Maybe I should add the guy with the high ceiling and see what happens because it was one thing 2020 so far has taught us. Anything could happen. And one injury, all of a sudden, I think Rodgers could get thrust into that spotlight, especially now that you have a DH spot in the National League. All right. And then we'll close it out with Alex Baum uh, of the Philadelphia Phillies. And honestly, Joe, you're going to have to sell me on this one, on uh, on him coming up this year because I don't see it. Yeah, well, I'm wondering if there's just desperation, and I think that's the question here is if the Phillies start falling behind here because of the bullpen, do they press? If the offense isn't getting going, do they try an injection of youth? And yeah, this one might be a bit of a reach, but once again, I'm trying to say where are these teams, and the Phillies could be a team that could be playing for desperation a little bit quicker than some others, uh, especially with the opportunity with some injuries with Atlanta. Maybe that is an opening. The Mets have had a ton of injuries. You know, all of a sudden it looks like the Nationals division to lose, which is what I thought it would be from the beginning. But I'm sure the Phillies don't want to throw in the towel. And I just wonder at a certain point, do you make a desperation move? Do you try to pull Howard and bomb and try to get all these guys up here and change the dynamic a little bit? The answer is probably no. But right now it would be interesting to speculate on yes. All right, we'll take a quick break here on Fantasy Sports Today. we got Fantasy or Reality coming up next, so make sure you stay on the grid as Joe and I will be right back. And then, of course, we'll close it out with the Sports Grid 60. So stay tuned. We're back in just two minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia, as we get you ready for the Fantasy or Reality segment of our show. And, of course, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll uh, do a preview of uh, the big NASCAR race coming up this weekend. Of course, the PGA Championship is going on this week, a major tournament in the PGA. And so we'll have a preview of that as well. Uh, also, just a quick note, uh, this is the first time uh, that Oakland is going to face off with Houston 
this weekend. And uh, Mike Fires, of course, everyone was waiting to see mm. what would happen when Oakland would face Houston. Uh, Fires is going to start before their series, and so he is going to miss that, according to the Houston Chronicle. And so that would have been interesting to see what would have happened in that game. We're going to have to wait a little <laughs> bit later on the season. Don't despair. Oakland plays Houston a lot more before the end of the year. So we will inevitably get that uh, matchup. But, uh, Joe, we're going to do a little fantasy or reality today. We're going to touch on some baseball, basketball, and a little bit of golf as well. Yeah, let's do it. One of uh, America's favorite games, fantasy reality. I know it is sweeping the nation, so let's sweep away and give the people what they want. All right, let's get started with question number one, fantasy reality. Aaron Judge, who finally had his home run streak snapped. Fantasy reality, he will hit one and a half home runs in today's doubleheader. Now, of course, those of you who are watching understand that you cannot hit a half a home run in a game, but we are setting lines here, folks, on these things. And they'll have two games today, and that would mean that he potentially could have two home runs. Fantasy reality, uh, he'll go over on this. Two home runs today, one in each game or two in one. <laughs> or maybe more. I guess it depends. That's true. It could be uh, it could be three in one. Um, you know, certainly the Phillies bullpen will be there to help. Uh, this is a tough one because he makes it look so easy all the time, and you know, the, especially in Yankee Stadium. So. I'm going to say fantasy. I think he can get one for sure. Two home runs in a day is a lot of anybody. Uh, I know he's got eight at-bats. Who knows? Maybe a little bit more to do it potentially. I'm going to say fantasy. I think that is the smarter side to be on here. But I hope he does. I think it would be a great story because Aaron Judge so far has been one of the kings of baseball and uh, is one of the few bright spots in an otherwise gloomy world of things that we talk about. So I'd love for Aaron Judge to have a three or four home run day, for God's sakes. So tomorrow we can come in and talk about how great Aaron Judge is. And by the way, couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Aaron Judge is just, he's just such a pleasant fellow. He's just kind of like the guy you just want to be around or want on your team. So I hope he does, but I'm going to say fantasy that he actually does. I would agree. I, I think the smart bet is under what we'd want to see is over. But yeah, I think that you would have to bet under that, uh, regardless of who is uh, pitching for Philadelphia. And the bullpen could give up a home run or two. There's no doubt. We've seen that before. But I'll go under as well. So we'll start off there. Let's go to number two here, which is really fascinating to me. And I love these Hall of Fame conversations, especially with basketball, because I feel like I have a better grasp on this now that I'm starting to see some of the players get in. Carmelo Anthony, according to his uh, teammate Damon Lillard, um, post-game when the Blazers played the Rockets, said uh, that basically Carmelo Anthony is uh, is being disrespected, saying it's disrespectful respectful to undervalue a Hall of Famer. Now, Joe, Carmelo had a lot of years in New York. Of course, he had years in Denver before that, and then he kicked around the league a little bit. And he's part of that draft that produced a lot of NBA stars and a lot of NBA championships. But Carmelo mm -hmm. is the one. They didn't win one, at least as of yet. So I would ask you fantasy reality in terms of what Dame said. Carmelo Anthony is undervalued. Fantasy or reality? This is a tricky one. Uh, I'm going to say a motivated Carmelo Anthony is underrated. So I'm going to say reality in this. Um, he seems to be in good shape here. And uh, he seems to be a guy who is motivated right now. And uh, let's make no bones about it. Carmelo Anthony is one of the great scorers in the league of the last 20 years. And I think anybody who uh, watches the NBA will tell you that. And uh, unfortunately, sometimes scoring is not all there is in basketball. There's some other pieces of the game, too. And we've seen a lot of great scorers not necessarily come away with the championship. Uh, whether or not he comes away with a Hall of Fame plaque, that's a different. I think he will be a Hall of Famer. I don't think there's any doubt about that for me, at least personally. 
But I, I think that if you look back on the run that he had with the Knicks overall, you would say it's disappointing. I mean, at least compared to the hype, I remember being in this area, man, during that, and they were running that I'm coming home promo. Brett can back me up on this. My goodness, every five minutes that promo was running on some sports channel somewhere. And uh, it was just crazy. Like the, the anticipation, the hype for him coming here and fixing the Knicks and making this a thing here. And they gave up uh, <laughs> half a team to get him. And it just didn't happen, unfortunately. And I think uh, there's a lot of disappointments in that vein in terms of playoff runs and championships when it comes to Carmelo Anthony. But there's no denying the talent and there's no denying the stats. Do you think that he is underrated in this current situation we're in right now? I think it's a fantasy. I think Carmelo Anthony probably is a Hall of Famer. I don't think he'll get in on the first try. I think this is similar to what uh, happened with Chris Bosh. I think he's going to have to wait a little bit. I think you know exactly who Carmelo Anthony is. He is a, a great scorer in the history of the NBA, and that is it. He need, he need, He's the kind of guy that needed help around him. He struggled with leadership. I think that that's pretty obvious at this point and was known as a guy who always wanted to take the shot like some others did, like Kobe Bryant. Of course, there's been other great players like that. But I think Carmelo Anthony had some decent supporting cast around him to get a little bit further, but was unable to adapt and sort of be more of a distributor and more of a team player. Now, that being said, Dominique Wilkins is in the Hall of Fame, too. And Dominique Wilkins, you could put in that category as well. Great scorer, great dunker, didn't have a lot around him, Had who's on good teams, not great teams. I would probably say Dominique Wilkins in the end was a better player than Carmelo Anthony. And I think Carmelo Anthony is going to be in the Hall of Fame. But I don't think that he's undervalued. He's one of those guys, Joe, where I think I know exactly who he is. I know exactly who he has been. Maybe he's a little bit better now than we thought. That's possible. I thought he was done. I thought he was completely out of the NBA. Well, so yeah, if we're talking about specifically now, I would say reality. But I think overall in the history of Carmelo Anthony, I would say fantasy. He's a Hall of Fame player that we should have expected more, and we didn't get it. That's where I'm at yeah. with him. I, I would say this too. You know, you mentioned some of those other players there, the Kobe's of the world and LeBron and Michael Jordan, all those guys. And the difference with those guys is the defense. Uh, that's the other thing I want to put in this equation too. It's, you know, if you're going to play both ends in the same uh, veracity, then I think that that's the difference between a player who's very good and a player who's all time great or a player that wins championships. You have to play both ends of that floor. And the ones that will push themselves defensively, I think those players we should put up on a pedestal. The guys who are great scorers, but also show up defensively. The guys that are great scorers, but also aren't afraid to pass the ball off and have a John Paxson or a Steve Kerr make the big shot if need be. It's that trust in the surrounding people and what you're doing. And and I think that that is definitely important as well. And uh, look, I mean, he in a lot of ways, Carmelo embodies uh, what the NBA has become. A lot of, you know, spot up shooting and a lot of. Uh, a lot less ball movement, just generally speaking, than you see. You go watch some of these games from the 80s that they were replaying here during quarantine. And I was just the biggest shock to me, Craig, in some of those games when I was watching those like Celtics Lakers games or the Pistons games was the amount of ball movement, you know, eight, nine, ten passes before somebody took a shot. And it's just something you don't see nearly as much of when you're watching these games right now. And that to me is another big difference in the game. All right, and let's close it out here. The PGA Championship will start tomorrow. This was originally scheduled for May in San Francisco, and here we are in July. They're actually going to get it done. Uh, Jordan Spieth has yet to complete the career Grand Slam. There are some people who think that he has a shot at this. Uh, clearly he does. There are others in the tournament this weekend that probably have a better shot. 
uh, uh, Brooks Kepka is is got to be up there. Adam Scott, and then of course uh, you know, you have Tiger Woods potentially being part of this, but for how long we don't know because again he could be out on Friday depending on how things go. But we'll take a stab at this one, Joe. Uh, and, and there's a lot of people that can bet on this this weekend, of course, over on FanDuel. Jordan Spieth will complete his career Grand Slam this weekend at TPC in San Francisco. Yeah, this is another tricky one. You keep tempting me with all these things that I would love to come back and talk about and have fun, important things like, you know, Aaron Judge and a bunch of home runs and Spieth getting his Grand Slam and all this stuff. I'm going to say fantasy, though, because I don't think it's as realistic. I think you have to look at the rest of the field and realize there are some pretty good golfers in this one in this uh, circumstance. Uh, But I would love for it to happen. So I feel like you keep baiting me here with it. But I'm going to say fantasy, although once again, like Aaron Judge, I want this to be a reality. That way we have more good news in sports because we need more good news in 2020. Well, we'll know tomorrow. We'll get a better, a very good idea. Well, you know, I don't know if that's fair, but they do. Uh, Jordan Spieth does uh, tee off tomorrow at 8 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, so, of course, when our show begins, we'll have a, an idea and we'll follow it for you as it's going. Uh, but Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, and Dustin uh, Justin Rose all tee off 8.20 Pacific time on Thursday. Tiger Woods tees off 8.33. His grouping is Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. So uh, an all-star list tomorrow morning. And as we get started here on the show, we'll have it for you. I'm going to agree. I think that this is a fantasy. Uh, Kepka is just playing so well right now. I think he is the favorite. Uh, some people think Adam Scott's got a good shot at this one with some experience there. I'll take Kepka. I with golf, if I can get a four to one or a five to one, I'm going to go chalk. And I think that's the way that, uh, that I would go with this. But so I will say fantasy as well. And that covers our uh, fantasy or reality. There was one other story that I wanted to include today, but I didn't. So I'll ask you this. Fantasy or reality, this has nothing to do with sports, but fantasy or reality, you are excited to hear that I am telling you, because this is maybe news to you, that the cartoon Ren and Stimpy is coming back again. Is that fantasy or reality? Does that excite you? Yes or no? It does not, unfortunately. And I am a cartoon guy. You're not a Ren and Stimpy guy. No, I didn't get it. I didn't get it the first time. Um, Everything comes back now because no one has any original ideas. I'm a big Rick and Morty guy. I'm a huge forever South Park person. I, I love South Park. I like the Simpsons as well. Still will occasionally pop that on. Still pretty good. South Park continues to be the great satire uh, of this nation. And if you're not watching it still, I just feel bad for you because it is a great half hour of television. Very funny, very topical, and very important. And it's amazing and almost sad sometimes when you watch reruns of episodes from 10 years ago. And they're talking about the same issues we're dealing with now. And you go, oh my God, that was from 2003. But no, I, I'm not excited about Ren and Stimpy, and you would think that I am that guy. But I'll ask you, Craig Nish, because I'm pretty sure that Ren and Stimpy was not in your youth. I'm just guessing here. Uh, I don't know if you had like a college phase with Ren and Stimpy. Maybe you did. But are you excited about Ren and Stimpy coming back? Well, a couple of things. Yes, I'm curious about it. So that's a reality. I'd like to see it. And I was a very big Ren and Stimpy fan. For really? sure. Wow. Yeah. I'm shocked. I like now. Here, I was excited issue. about that coming back. I don't that remember I it. I don't remember it at all. But I'm uh, certain that I watched them all. I'm I'm I am certain that I watched them all in college, without a doubt. Ren and Stimpy was part of of uh, of our culture in college. Yes. Let's just say. No, and, and, and I understand uh, that. And then that was kind of my college with South Park. South Park started when I was in college. 
like my gotcha. freshman year of college. So I think whatever animated show popped during that time, that's the one you saw in Ren and Stimpy. I think I was in high school and you're too cool for cartoons in high school until you get to college and you realize I can do whatever I want. I'm in college and I can watch cartoons all day and drink whatever I want and smoke whatever I want and hang out and do whatever I want for a little while, at least uh, until, you know, repercussions come in there. But uh, that is always a fascinating thing. I think every generation has theirs. I sure a lot of people have their Rick and Morty right now. Have you watched Rick and Morty? Cause no, I haven't, I haven't experienced that one. No. Well, you have to have a very, very dark, dark, irreverent sense of humor. And I think you have a, a certain level of education to really enjoy it on the highest level. But I would definitely recommend giving it a shot. Uh, there's a, a certain beautiful dystopia to it all. It's just fantastic. As uh, as they say on the show, no one exists on purpose. No one belongs anywhere. Uh, it's that kind of stuff like that, little nuggets. But uh, like I said, very dark, very irreverent, and very, very funny, and sometimes shocking what they get away with. All right. So there you have it, our little cartoon segment for today's <laughs> Fantasy Sports Today. All right, coming up next, guys, stay tuned because it's time for the Sports Grid 60 where we end this with one of the hot topics in sports in the day. Joe will have his opinion. I will have my opinion. And then we will be right back with more here on Sports Grid. This is Fantasy Sports Today on a Wednesday. Sports Grid 60 is next. Where are you going? Nowhere. Stay with us. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It is time to end our show for today, and we always end it with a little bit of a tidbit, an opinion, or something that we want to throw at you to make you think, or just something that doesn't make you think at all. But we got to get out of here one way or the other, and we only have a three-minute segment, so we call it the Sports Grid 60. That's pretty much it. I'll turn it over to Joe Pizapia. He's got his thoughts on uh, a head coach of the NFL. Joe, take it away. Pete Carroll had some great comments yesterday about, hey, I get it. We're all tired of this. Everyone's tired of this, but it's not the time to start getting lax. It's time to start getting tough. It's about mental toughness right now so we can get through this and get a season. And he's right. I know we're all sick of this. I know it's been tiring. We're all exhausted. But you know what? It's time to double down and get tough. And I think that kind of attitude will indeed get us an NFL season. Well, hopefully so. I can't say that I'm supremely confident with everything that I've seen happen in baseball. But, you know, it's uh, still playing. about a month now. <laughs> So I've gone back and forth with this a million times. I'm going to be wrong 85 out of the 100 times I've guessed, so I'll stop here. Okay, uh, we talked about Ren and Stimpy coming back to TV, but there's another reboot that was announced yesterday, a reboot that I never thought would be happening. And this one is a little bit stunning. But Tony Danza on his Instagram page says the show The Boss is coming back. And I guess Tony Danza and Alyssa Milano have signed on to do this show. Tony Danza, of course, is a lot older. Alyssa Milano is, of course, a lot older. And I thought that that was sort of the charm of the old show where uh, Tony Danza was a housekeeper living in somebody else's house with his daughter, who is now all grown up. And I understand Fuller House and some of these reboots have worked, but it is time to come up with some original shows where we go back to some of these shows 
that were like okay, but not great. And then I think that qualifies as one. Where are all the new ideas? I guess it's my fault. I don't have one. Thanks to Chris, Danny, and uh, of course, thanks to Brett and Joe Ranieri for helping us out, as always, with the show today. Thanks to my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, as always. That will do it for this edition of Fantasy Sports Today. But don't despair. We'll be right back here tomorrow at noon. Stay on the grid. That'll do it for FST. I'm Craig Fish. Have a great day. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.